another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, big news out this week on betting data company Racing and Sports. It's looking to raise $20 million in an IPO to list on the ASX in November this year. It's a Canberra-based business that powers the data flows behind betting operators like Tabcorp, Ladbrokes, Bet365, Sportsbet, Betfair, and Bluebet. Essentially, if you're looking at a form guide, anywhere on the planet, there's a good chance racing and sports is involved. The CEO is Stephen Crisp, and he joins me now on the program. G'day, Stephen. G'day, Justin. Thanks for having me. So where did the idea of racing and sports come from? Look, racing and sports uh, was born just over 20 years ago. And actually, my father and his business partner started the business. They had the idea to start an online um, digital and media company. So at the time, it was really just a, a website which they collated and uh, presented data to to the racing audience. Um, and at the time, it was obviously very small. The internet was just a new, a new thing. Just starting, yeah. Starting, yeah. And so they saw the opportunity to um, and the gap in the market at the time to launch racing and sports to really uh, appeal to those racing enthusiasts who are looking for not just news and editorial, but also data and and um, and, and content. So that's how racing and sports um, as a business actually started. Um, shortly thereafter, um, they realised that capturing that data and presenting it to the public um, using the website was great. But there was also another angle with that data they could take it um, provide some analytics across the top of it and then produce products. This, of course, would mm-hmm. be very useful to wagering operators. So they yep. started down that journey of, um, of then targeting a few, a few small customers. Um, you know, they, they also engaged with Timeform, who are obviously a, a brand steeped in uh, tradition over in the UK, based in the UK. And Gary's actually the Timeform um, uh, representative for the Southern Hemisphere. So he has been carrying that mantle now for, for over 20 years and, um, okay. and has been providing that as well. So uh, so really the company started, you know, from that, that website digital um, roots, but it's now, you know, obviously evolved into quite a different beast as we see it today. And, uh, and, and data is the very nucleus and core of what we do as a mm. company, but there's also technologies and um, other services we provide to the industry uh, as we go forward. And so was, um, Stephen, was racing and wagering always... Um, a constant in the Crisp family. It has been, yeah, for many years. I mean, um, the Crisp family's, um, you know, been in the industry for well. I mean, for my whole life. I remember growing up, but you know, uh, going to the race course with the old man on a on a Saturday afternoon, just as a as a you know a wee little kid from my earliest memories. As a punter. Yeah, that's what you try the a young punter, if you will. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and even even when I was able to, I I, got, I had jobs selling newspapers uh, on track. You know, at the um at the race course as well. That's one of my first jobs when I was probably only 10 years old. And uh, so, yeah, so I've been around the racetrack a long time. You know, my father and his brother and, and his father again, you know, the, there's been um, you know, a long history of, of involvement in the industry. Um, but obviously racing and sports and the business side of things takes it to a whole new level. Uh, so, yeah, so the last 20 years we've really been, you know, sort of a cornerstone brand, I guess, in the racing industry. Mm. We're very well known globally uh, for the, the website and digital side of the business, but also the fact that we do provide you know, a lot of these big, uh, big customers with, um, with their high quality content and data. So where do you guys source that data from? 
How do you originate the data? Sure. The data is acquired through the rights holders uh, in the first instance. Um, So, uh, for example, in Australia, AAP uh, and in, say, the UK, that's um, uh, with the Press Association who have the rights to actually on-sell that data for different jurisdictions. Um, Some of the data that's hard to acquire or or doesn't have a clear path to actually um, uh, go to a rights holder is actually acquired manually by our team in Sri Lanka will actually manually key that on. So we've got a really good team over there, data curators and and data experts who actually take that information, key it on, enhance it uh, and create the really solid base of information available to to us then to analyse and create products from. So if I'm at the races at, say, Ramwick or Eagle Farm or Flemington, and I get the the form guide from uh, as I walk in the front door. Does that mean that um, racing and sports has um, somewhere at the back end been involved in um, establishing that data flow? It depends who's providing that information, but it's quite possible that racing sports data has uh, or ratings or you know performance ratings have actually found their way into into that form guide. Really, where you'd see it is on one of the large wagering operator sites. So your Bet three six five, for example, Sportsbet Nets, yep. uh, Betfair, they take racing and sports data feeds, um, which is more than just data. It, it, it's actually the enhanced content um, and, and comments, speed maps and other visualisations which they then display on their website to attract um, and entice their, their customers, their punters, to actually place bets with confidence, knowing that they've got the best quality information to make a decision on. They can then feel confident about actually um, having a punt with that uh, that wagering operator. So it really is a B2B to C type business model yes. where racing and sports yep. is, is in the middle. Because that, that racing data has changed significantly over the years, hasn't it, from, you know, the lift-out form guide, which you can still get in the paper, but now there is so much information online, whether it's, uh, you know, on a web or on your phone or and different providers, like you are, you are spoilt for choice. Absolutely, and there's lots of different ways to actually think about the data as well now. I mean, the younger audience coming into, into racing um, are looking for a different product than, say, my generation and my father's before me. So it is a really... Um, you know, dynamic space, a changing space. And, um, you know, with the globalisation of racing as well, uh, it's a lot easier to push out racing product. So Australian racing into the US, for example. So US punters could bet on Australian racing, and that's been happening, obviously, for a long time. But uh, that globalisation of, of the racing product is actually happening now um, more and more, where countries who have a, a racing industry want to push their product into different geographic regions. Uh, and racing sports is perfectly positioned to help them regionalize um, and display and convert their form their information their content into a localized format so i mean we do a fully uh, translated chinese um, website and and form service in mandarin and that's maintained <laughs> okay yeah which uh, i mean i don't speak mandarin but i'm i'm, I'm led mm. to believe under good advice that it's a very high quality and it's um yeah so it's quite an impressive thing uh, we also um have the a really uh, big processing framework in the company based on a distributed design and architecture that allows us to scale, acquire new data at, at mass and actually process that to create products. So it's a really exciting time for the business. I mean, we we, uh, we sort of came from a very small base, you know, two guys working in a garage 20 years ago in the back of a garage 20 years ago to, you know, to now where we are. Where we're hey, that, that's, that's how Apple started. So, yeah, that's, you know. that's right. We're, we're the, uh, the, racing, uh, yeah, the racing industry uh, compared to Apple. I mean, it's, um, it you know, certainly is a great story. And, um, you know, I, uh, what we are now, 67 employees and, and, um, and personnel uh, around the world and, and growing. I was just about to ask that, Stephen. Can you give our listeners an idea of the scale of your operation? 
Yeah, so we have our headquarters here in Canberra, which is um, which is mm-hmm. great. It's right, right in the middle of um, Sydney, Melbourne, and, uh, and I need a stone throw from Brisbane on a plane. Uh, but really, the company has been servicing the the domestic market here in Australia and New Zealand for a long time and, and parts of Asia as well. But our expansion um, into the UK, so we've got a man on the ground there now who's been with us for a couple of years and we're expanding that office over there actively at the moment. We've also got our operations in Sri Lanka and that's a wonderful place there in Colombo uh, where we have our, our software developers. Uh, we have some operations staff and uh, some support staff as well and, and obviously the team of data curators. Uh, and they're a wonderful group of people, and uh, it's obviously we haven't been able to fly over there with COVID, but as soon as we can, we'll be back over there to um, to see them as well. And uh, and obviously the US is is the next frontier for a lot of operators and a lot of organisations trying to move in there. So there's a lot of uh, aspects to that uh, that industry, and uh, and it really comes around the legislation and the legalisation of betting on fixed odds for racing. Uh, New Jersey's um, been the pioneer in that front on sports betting and now okay. racing. Yep. And other states will follow suit, um, you know, in time. But there's a complex, you know, uh, structure of stakeholders that I think have to be, um, you know, consulted in every different state. So, you know, it won't be a quick process, but it will happen. Is the US the biggest market for that? Uh, the US is definitely um, one of the biggest markets uh, in uh, in the world for, for racing and, and sporting, of course, um, their products. So it definitely is, um, you know, is something that everyone's eyeing off because the, you know, the size of market is so big and, you know, there's obviously lots of uh, lots of opportunity for us all uh, to to provide wagering operators uh, domestically in the US with um, you know fixed odds pricing, but high quality content information, and also digital services as well. So yeah, it's um yeah definitely um, not as mature I would say as say Australia mm-hmm. is. I mean Australia's really yep. been at the okay. forefront of racing, and we've had some real pioneers, um, you know, guiding and shaping the way Australian racing is actually um, you know, and it's not look it's not perfect, but it certainly is um, you know. I think viewed as, as one of the most mature uh, racing um, you know uh, products anywhere in the world. Well, the good thing about your business is that it's um, it's twenty four seven, right? Like there is uh, there, there <laughs> if there's a race <laughs> or a sporting event or something like it is happening literally every day around the planet. Absolutely, yeah. And we have a twenty four seven team, uh, and they're based in Sri Lanka, and we also have a um, an extended hours workforce here in uh, the headquarters in Canberra as well. So, yeah, there is racing happening all the time, and it's uh, it's really exciting. So whether it be thoroughbreds, harness, greyhounds. Um, you know, we're, we're covering it, we've got data and, uh, you know, it's um, a yeah, very exciting time to be in the business too with the advent of COVID. I mean, obviously not a great thing to happen, but, uh, you know, for, mm. for global communities, but, uh, yeah, as a business, it's, pu- it's pushed a lot of people online um, and I think that's actually seen a real kicker in, uh, in racing sports' business model and we've been preparing for this growth for several years now, so it's good to be in a position to take advantage of it. So maybe just amplify that a little bit. Um, everyone's talking about the impact of COVID on their business how has um, the pandemic uh, helped or hindered racing and sports? Yeah, look, very early on, there was a slight bump in, uh, you know, in business, but it uh, you know, quickly resolved uh, after a few months when, you know, racing industry started to come back online. And, um, you know, I think actually in Australia, it's probably um, worth noting that, uh, that Peter Volandi's had a, you know, a really big hand in actually preparing uh, racing for this. Uh, and, you know, he obviously at the time didn't know, but when we had an outbreak of equine influenza many years ago, he... Uh, I remember that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that affected the industry quite badly uh, at the time, you know, and, and racing has, you know, tentacles into lots of different, you know... Um, parts of the community and uh, I think the impact was actually quite, quite widely felt but the the plans that Peter put into place um, to protect the industry should that happen again and, and quarantining and regionalizing 
uh, racing, so jockeys and, and trainers and, and support staff and support staff wouldn't actually move outside of their their local regions and things like that. So, so the racing industry was actually able to, to pivot very quickly and enact those plans to, to retain and maintain operations. Uh, and, and look, fortunately, racing and sports has also been part of that. We've actually been um, consulted to do, um, you know, media services for, um, for New South Wales and Victoria, where we send our um, journalists down to those sites and we actually do all of the media work. We do all the interviews, we do all the, the quotes, and we provide that information to um, to uh, mainstream media who then reproduce it and uh, and then they can go yeah, and publish okay. it. So our people are the only ones allowed on site under strict um, you know, uh, processes and uh, protocols. Yeah. protocols. Mm. So what's the, um, Stephen, what's the competitive landscape like for racing and sports? Are there any other players in market that are similar or doing sort of working, working in, the, in, in, the, in the, same, the same arena? Yeah, look, there are a couple uh, doing similar sorts of things. No one does the same as what racing and sports does on mass. I mean, so with the, the business, you know, that racing and sports has put together, we cover everything from the front end digital and media uh, and media services, we um, all the way through to our wholesale content, um, data and, and enhancement side, as well as wagering technology. So this is all around software as a service, hosted solutions that we can provide to wagering operators uh, to, you know, to operate their either back office or uh, front-facing capabilities. So, you know, there are a couple of, um, of natural um, uh, companies that, that people liken us to, and, and one would obviously be Betmakers, uh, and they've done a great job educating the market to a business like racing sports. We've obviously been around a lot longer than uh, Betmakers and yeah. uh, have taken a slightly different path to, to get to where we are today, and, um, you know, we look forward to uh, entering the, um, you know, the listed market, uh, you know, sometime in the future uh, alongside them. Well, let's let's talk about that. The uh, the press this week suggested an IPO is definitely on the cards, potentially um, uh, next month in November. So, can you um, let let's let's talk about your plans then for a public listing? What's um what's involved there? Yeah, we're definitely uh, looking at at something later this year, and uh, and that's really to to take the business to that next level of growth and scale. Like I said, the last five years have, have really been spent actually building a lot of the internal systems and infrastructure and capability to allow us to exploit the global market. And then again, with COVID, that pushed to online uh, across jurisdictions across the world and the demand coming now to us from our, our customer base of um, you know, um, our corporate bookmakers uh, of all sizes um, has really pushed the business to a point where we now need to realise that, uh, that growth plan. And and does it obviously going going public is um is that pathway to um to allow for extra liquidity? Absolutely, it allows us access to uh, you know additional markets and uh, and ability to raise capital should we need to or want to you know take the business into a uh, a different direction, uh, potentially look at acquisitions down the track uh, and those sorts of uh, exciting opportunities. So so we're look we're entertaining a couple of options at the moment, but but IPO is is definitely one of them. So, what sort of um, state is your balance sheet in? Presumably, it's in um, it's in pretty good shape if you're thinking of thinking of a public uh, listing. Yeah, the company's been um, well, it's never had any debt on its books, uh, and it's always been profitable. I think I think it's been profitable for fifteen or sixteen years straight. So it's been run really well. Uh, we keep our cost base well under control, and uh, and we obviously use innovation, uh, IT, um, and and automation uh, to actually reduce our you know, overhead of actually doing what we do. We we deal with a lot of information, a lot of data, create products, and as we say, it's a twenty four seven operation. We process information and data twenty four seven as well. 
So the business has actually, you know, been run very lean to date and we continue that. We will continue that as well as we as we go forward. Uh, we don't have unnecessary spending. We, um, we really maintain, uh, you know, that every dollar spent has to go towards generating, uh, you know, product revenue or a customer outcome, a good customer outcome. So let's talk about how it's changed over the years. You mentioned, um, you know, two men in a garage 20 years ago to now potentially going public. You know, the, the birth of the internet, then there was the the tech the tech wreck um, a few years after that, and uh, the GFC, and uh, now we've got a pandemic. And in in the middle, there's there's been you know really good growth. So can you maybe just sort of plot out for us the journey of uh, your business from its early beginnings to where it is now? Yeah. So really, um, you know, really uh, slow growth, I guess, in the first few years of the business when it was really just getting started and identifying the markets that it would move into. But I guess once those markets and customers were identified, the business grew relatively steadily um, up until, you know, sort of the you know, 2010, 2012 type timeframe when a lot of online bookmakers, or bookmakers came online. And I think the um, the internet and, and online wagering really came into its own. So, you know, Gary Robert, who, um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, and, and, and seeing how hard they worked in the industry. I mean, I actually started... Uh, working with racing and sports, um, you know, just when it started as well, 20 years ago, I was actually uh, cutting code at the time and on the, on oh, the really? racing sports website. Yeah, yeah so okay. I've been involved for a long time. And even though I've gone off and done my own uh, things, you know, in that time, I've always been connected to the business and, uh, you know, involved in some way, whether it be from a technology advisory, strategic point of view, and, and more so in the last five years, I've been getting heavily back involved uh, in the business to the point where I've come back in full time. So, it's uh, yeah, it was quite a you know exciting time when when the company left you know the back of the garage uh, in, in Gary's house in Canberra and moved into its first office, and that was a really exciting milestone for everybody. Mm-hmm. Still, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, and I still remember that quite well, you know, uh, at the time. And then obviously the move to the the next office when we grew and were bigger and uh, and you know trying to do more things, you know, really punching above our weight and being recognised uh, for being excellent at you know uh, production of high quality content. Uh, editorial comments, etc., and uh, yet where we are now, taking this next step into our growth uh, trajectory with global, um, you know, customers and uh, extending our global footprint as well. So it's a really great time for the company, and uh, you know, really exciting for Gary and Robert both. You know, the two founders of the business who have really poured their blood, sweat, and tears. Um, you know, I think there were times when they were both working, you know, 70, 80 hour weeks uh, regularly mm-hmm. to get things across the line, as you do with a small business. Anyone who's owned, run, and um, you know, operated a small business really understands that Indeed. paradigm. Of, yep. Yeah. So how is it, Stephen, when you know, you're talking to your friendship group, your mates, when they say, Stephen, what are you doing these days? And you say, well, I'm running um, running racing and sports. And they say, well, what's that? How How is it that you describe what the business is and does? Sure. I mean, it's a, a lot of my friends have been around a long time, uh, you know, probably for the whole time that I have worked for the company and they, you know, for them, it's no surprise that I've come back into this role, given my association with the company, understanding of the industry, and uh, obviously ability to uh, to execute on uh, you know the business strategies, um, you know, in, into our growth phase. But certainly, um, you know, I explain the business in in five ways. You know, we have five different business lines, and that's the wholesale data, uh, content, mm-hmm. and um, and distribution services which we provide, and that's really that B two B. You know, providing that really high quality information to those wagering operators. Uh, and then we have the digital, uh, the, uh, the wagering technology and services side of the business, which um, is really around our software as a service tech side. So this is the newest part of the business. 
And this is something we're really excited about because we're using our um, uh, database and our enhanced information and analytics to drive um, technologies like pricing managers and trading solutions uh, and also some really innovative uh, wagering front-facing technologies that, uh, that are due to be released in the next year. So that's really exciting. Uh, we also have specialist data services. These are sort of once-off services where people come to us and ask us for a high-quality analytical-based product, um, and we can produce those uh, using uh, our internal uh, platforms and systems to do that. Then there's the digital and media side, which we're probably best known for, is the website. Uh, and everyone uses that. It's a free um, resource. There is a little uh, subscription-based um, service on there for people who want to join up and actually buy a uh, enhanced product. And we're looking at actually expanding that as we go forward as well. Uh, and then there's the consulting and integrity services. And this is really around our ability to consult back to the industry uh, on uh, technology uh, and um, uh, racing matters, as well as integrity using our extensive database of uh, racing information and also wagering information that we collect from the public domain to form some uh, patterns and analysis uh, into um, into you know, uh, events of, of uh, interest. And that might be regulatory bodies or even government agencies. So the business is you know, fairly broad and fairly diverse, but we have a very clear vision about how we want to go and scale and grow uh, the various parts of the business to reach our full potential. Keen to know more about your professional background, Stephen. Um, it's uh, it's long and distinguished. So give us uh, a flavour of um, what you've done in the past and how you ended up uh, back at racing and sports. Yeah, no, I've definitely done a lot of things. I, uh, I left racing and sports uh, in around 2007 and actually um, joined a company uh, dealing in, in mainly security uh, products and security services. So that took me uh, over to the UK where I did some really interesting work over there, working for the likes of uh, Formula One Group and um, uh, the London Olympic Committee as well at the time. It was just before the uh, London Olympics. Uh, and then obviously came back to Australia uh, and um, continued that trajectory of doing security intelligence work uh, for you know probably the next you know, 12, 13 years where I started a business myself. Um, which is all centred around intelligence um, uh, consulting services. So, uh, and that that company I, I actually sold um, last year and, uh, and now have moved back into racing and sports. So um, having said that, I've always been associated or, or linked to the company in some way, shape or form. So I often turn up at different racing Love events. And, yeah, and, uh, and, I, and, and doing a lot of travel as well with Gary over the past few years, um, really to get the footprint in the you know, European, UK landscape uh, and uh, and to start growing the business with the view to coming back in full-time to uh, to take over. So so it's been a, a slow process um, in some ways, but it's actually happened very quickly in others. So, um, but I, you know, my background actually lends perfectly to this sort of business because um, without saying a lot, intelligence really centers around grabbing a lot of data, creating some uh, analytics, uh, creating some end product and uh, and you know, coming to some conclusions. The racing industry is very similar to that as well. I mean, you have your raw data, you, you store it, analyze it, create some products and provide punters with um, with a, a realization. So I certainly have a quite a, a heavy technical understanding of the way the business operates and also the opportunities for us going forward using contemporary and emerging te- techniques to create some interesting products. And so, uh, just just finally, I suppose um, let's let's look ahead. Let's give uh, those punters, when I say that, maybe uh, <laughs> retail investors, um, a reason to take an interest in the business potentially if there is an IPO. So, what's um, what's the uh, the blue sky for racing and sports, Stephen? Yeah, racing and sports has a, a really mature and established uh, foundation of of customers. I mean, long standing customers, some stretching back twenty years. 
Um, it has that brand and reputation in the market for trust and integrity and ability to deliver. And it also has invested heavily in its data holdings and processing uh, of, um, you know, of that raw data into information products and then into racing knowledge products as well. So we're looking to take that, build on it uh, into new uh, jurisdictions in UK and Europe and across the US when that market becomes available to us as well as move into different disciplines such as sports and uh, an acquisition of sports data in the same way we do racing uh, to provide those analytics. Uh, also, the wagering technology space that we're in, um, our, our technology has been widely reported from the industry to be one of the most, if not the most sophisticated trading and pricing capabilities out there. So it's really exciting for us to be on the forefront like we always are with these technologies and capabilities and push those into new clients, new uh, geographic uh, regions when they become available to us. So there's a lot of growth, uh, a lot of potential um, in the market now. Uh, and as I say, that globalisation of racing, we're right in the middle of it and uh, really prepared to uh, to take that next step in terms of our, our growth and, um, and evolution as a company. Well, certainly a company to watch in the future and uh, we wish you all the very best for the years ahead. Stephen Crisp from Racing and Sports, thanks for joining us on the Unicorns podcast today and all the very best for the years ahead. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Justin. Do appreciate it. Speak to you soon.